You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. At some the point, faithful. you stop by the Welcome Center and fill out a, a small little card, and you get to walk out of here with a free gift for doing so. So we thank you, church. It's so nice, and it's so wonderful just to get to worship corporately, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. So we don't have very many announcements, but we do have uh, our team back from Cuba. So let's give them a round of applause. Cuba team, you guys are amazing. You know, you guys are amazing, and I've been hearing, you know, little stories and little testimonies here and there from them, and I'm pretty sure at some point we're going to get to hear from them directly. So I'm on, on pins and needles, you know, anticipating it. I want to hear it all, but, you know, uh, one of the funny stories, Monty, this was Monty's first time that he went with Katerina. He's Katerina's fiance, and she says that he's so outgoing and social that even on the plane, he was still texting everybody. He added everybody to Snap and Instagram, and they had made friends, and they were talking and talking. So this is what we are about. We're about building relationships. This is what we are. This is who we are in Christ. And, you know, and if, we, if, the, if our team didn't come out with anything else, we came out with relationships. But we know that they touched hearts, they planted seeds, and we know that the power of God was there. So we look forward to hearing your testimonies uh, today. So let's give them a round of applause and welcome home, guys. Welcome home. So kids, at this time, you guys are dismissed. You have um, nursery right here in the hallway foyer for our babies up to the age of three. Right next door, we have our preschool age children in jam club up to the age of six. And then um, going with Miss Angie today, we have our super kids. These are our older kids, seven to 11. And um, youth, you guys are staying in today. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Youth, if you guys are here, you guys are dismissed. You're going with Miss Betty out there. So don't miss out on these opportunities, kids, because the word is broken down specifically just for you at your level and for situations that you are exposed to. And it's, the word is applied to you to get you through your days. So, um, children, you are blessed. And let's all go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to exe- receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way. Thank you, Kathy. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, look, people are coming back. Summer is over. It's like this section was like eternally vacant. Now. Anyway, so, of course, um, Cuba's back. Our team is back. Um, I had made an arrangement so they would keep Katarina, but that didn't happen. So they, I guess they sent her back because I really said, yo, I had to make, you know, just make it happen. But now we're really excited. Just messing with her. I always mess with her. I love her. Love this whole family. But anyhow, we want to hear from them. So, Miss Janice, come on up and <laughs> direct this. And whoever else, I mean, she'll, we'll give her the cue. And I know I asked Katarina to share, but I'll, whoever wants to share. And while they're talking, I want you not just to listen like a report, because here's what I want to, before I hand them the mic, we're all in, we're all in this. You know, they can't do what they do without us. I can't do what I do without you. And guess what? You can't really do what you do without us, right? Because it's all, we're all together. Like Kathy said, so good. You know, it really is about relationships and family. So, again, before, you know, whatever 
they have to say, you take it in as your testimony. Because it's not, oh, they came, let's applaud. No, they went, they did, they conquered, right? That we all conquered. So let's give them a big round of applause. Thank you, guys. Bueno, mira, <clears throat> ya, um, I'm telling you, um, ya este no me asusta tanto. <laughs> Every day they would call me up and they would call us up and we would be passing the microphone and it was amazing. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for jumping in and, and seeing the vision with us and helping us this year. Uh, we raced <laughs> for this trip to be uh, a success and a reality, we raised $15,000. So thank you all. Thank you for supporting the ministry and, and believing in the ministry. This is not a Janice show or none of us show. Angie's over there in, in Children's Church today, but this is Cuba. And I, I was telling Pastor, I said, Pastor, since uh, Brother Joel came to this church, I felt it in my heart like, I need to be there. And I praise God because this is my second time, their second time, and this one's first time. And I cannot tell you how proud I am of her and Montana. Um, they spoke Spanish. <laughs> and they were there and they made themselves like present. They were not behind us like hiding and what do you do? No, they, I told them, I said, God gave each of us a gift. And you have to shine in that gift. I want you to be in, in direct communication with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to tell you something that, is, that I will know, but you will be the one that is going to be the blessing. And I am very, very proud of my team because I would look. Where's Montana? Oh, he's playing basketball with the kites over there. So he, was, he made himself like one of them. And Kat also. And... Araceli, I would look, and she was ministering to somebody. Uh, Miriam ministering to somebody. Angie was somewhere there. Uh, like, we were all doing something. And I praise God because even though we were attacked since the beginning, Pastor, since the beginning, because I drove Monday. We left, like, at 9 o'clock at night. We stopped in Bucky's in New Braunfels. And I had to get some pills. <laughs> and I wasn't, I, I, had, I didn't have any voice at all. On Monday, I woke up, there was no voice. And I messaged them and I'm like, you pray for me because the devil is attacking me. And no, I am going. And we get there, I, I had to buy two pills and I two pills and my body was not feeling it. Like we get to the airport, we're going to check in luggage. I'm sweating Apparently, I had a fever, so I'm sweating the fever because of the pills I took. The guys in front of me, and I would look at them, and I'm like, they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna think that we're putting 10 suitcases full of something. Like, my body language is not what you're supposed to look like here. <laughs> it was horrible. Then the guy, he wanted to charge us way more, and I know that we had to, like, stop. 
this is God. We prayed. We kept on going. We made it there. It took us, what, three hours to get out of that airport? Three hours. They made me open suitcases. They made me take out stuff. They, But there was the last person that I had to go to two different people. And I told them, I said, do not call any of them. I will go with you wherever you want because I'm the one that knows what there are in those suitcases. <laughs> um, I pack them so I know exactly. And, and they were like, but, but. And I'm like, you're fine. Just stay there. I'll be back. So they took me to the back. And um, the last person, I they had to open a suitcase. And I had taken chocolate for to make chocolate milk. I had uh, taken it out of the original container and I put it but I had taped the, the the ticket the label from the package and the lady said I have to take it I have to keep it and I'm like it's okay I said that's fine you do what you got to do ma'am um and she looked at me and I said I don't think the kids is go- the kids are going to miss the chocolate anyways I don't think they've ever tasted it she looks at me and she's like what kids And I'm like, we're here with religious visas, and we have an event, and we're we're here to bless kids, and that is to make them chocolate milk in the mornings. She looked at me. She closed the suitcase. Let the kids have the chocolate. So I praise God because we saw they did not keep anything of our stuff, nothing. It was just the devil, like, are you going to just give up here? Not yet. Or are you going to keep on going with the same enthusiasm that you had at the beginning? And it was like that and like that. And um, we made it there. And whenever we got to the first camp, the next day we did all the packing and uh, backpacks, 600 backpacks we took. And we filled them all up. And we took stuff for pastors that we met in 2019. And it was a blessing to everybody sit down in that room and pack and pack and pack and pack and you could have seen like the we took um targets <laughs> they call them dianas and i remember they messaged me <laughs> they messaged me and they're like janice me puedes traer una diana y yo uh, pues tengo dos garza y acevedo cual quieres <laughs> i'm like i don't know what a diana is <laughs> they sent me a picture i'm like oh that's a target <laughs> but um So we took him, and you should have seen how the pastors, right? The pastors were playing in the room. They were so amazed. (laughs) And then we would close it, and we put it away, and somebody else would come in the room, and, you missed the Diana. Let's take it out again. And And it was amazing. But um, one thing, um, whenever we got there to the camp, there is a lot of need over there right now, and there is a lot of cities that uh, got shut down. We were expecting 300 kids in the first camp and only 140 were able to make it there. Um, There's some, La Ciudad de Jovellanos, it's closed. Uh, The kids are dying of dengue, hemorragico. The adults, the elderly are dying. So they shut down certain cities and they didn't let them go out. So we, we stood with them. We prayed over those cities, over that, that is demonic. It's demonic, like, oh, my goodness. But um, the 140 kids that were there, it was amazing to see them. It was 
such a blessing. Those were from the ages seven to nine. And one thing that I, that blessed me is that whenever we got there, we don't know people. Like we, we know that there's different churches, but I don't know who belongs where. There was no this church, that church, the other church. Every person that was helping, that was people from every church, they were all mixed together. We could not say that belonged to Joel's church and that one is from um, Yami's church and that one is... No, no, no. Everybody worked as a team. And that blessed me. And I said, I was telling the, the girls, I said, that is something that we need to take home. There is no ministries here. We are a body. Even us, we went in and they took us in like, you're part of us now. Let's go. Let's pray. Come up here. You're going to give the word. You're going to do this. You're going to, I need you for that. I need you. And they did not feel threatened by Americans. Like we have more, we know more. They did not feel embarrassed because they have less or whatever reason. No. They have a purpose. And church, I'm going to tell you, we need to learn that. You know, I know that we are a church. I know that we try, but we need to try harder. The last service, they were teaching the kids, the 10 to 12. They were teaching the kids, you have to be in your father's business. <laughs> I'm like, really, we're teaching the kids, uh, you have to be involved in your father's business. And they told them, you're here, but on Sunday, you need to go to your church and be involved in your father's business. Go to church, find your spot, because you need to be involved in your father's business. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. Uh, we cannot play church. We can't. People that are seeing me out there and, and, and uh, online, if you are close by, you have to be here. Because here is where we discuss our father's business. And if we want to grow spiritually, we need to be involved in our father's business. And I was like, they're teaching that to 10 to 12 years old. I am 37. And here I am, like, grabbing the concept of, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, like, I'm sorry I've taken this lightly. This should be the most serious thing that we should have in our lives. Our father's business. Because when, whenever we're in need, we go to the father. We are very quick to go to the father. But are we involved in the father's business? Are we where we're supposed to be? Are we serving where we're supposed to be serving? So if anything, I want you to get that. Forget about I am from here, I am from there, I come from here, I come. That has nothing to do. I live in Laredo, I live in Hebron, I live in Bruni, I come from Puerto Rico, she comes from Mexico, the other one comes. It doesn't matter. We have one father. And it's the same business. So if we get together, and I was telling them, and I'm like, I want to be 
where they're at. And I told them, in the last service, I told them, I said, everything is about perspective. Because they, you talk to them and they want to come to the States. And I, because todo es tan, tan difícil, y las tiendas están tan vacías, y no hay nada para comprar, y no hay, y yo los miro, and I was, I was like, this is perspective. Because you want to be in my country, where everything is accessible, where everything is there, but we're full of distractions. And I come here to your land, and the least thing I see is lack. I just see a people of God full of the Holy Spirit, praising and worshiping. The churches are packed. Like we had 140 kids, the first camp, 170 the second camp. We had galore of helpers, and it was from 8 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. They had a break for taking a shower. The next service was at 8.30, and I'm talking all the kids. 8.30 at night, and we would not leave until like 11. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock, everybody get up, you have devotionals. And everybody was there. Not even one person complained. But you know why? Because they are for the Father's business. And they know that every day God has something new and fresh for them. Their word, whenever I, we made them shirts... And I was like, Lord, give me what is it that we want? What is it that I'm going to take this year? And the only thing that would come to my head was, yo elijo creerle a él. I choose to believe in him. What he said, every message that we went, it was like, God said it, he will do it. He said it. He will do it. He, and those people are on fire because they are 100% sure that if God said it, he will do it. So I praise God because everybody was in one spirit, in one accord. Um, and we were able to go bless them. The rest of the mochilas that, that stay there, the backpacks, they are going to come away. Um, we... The other ones are going to stay for the other vacation Bible school that they're going to be able to have because of the stuff that was left over. So God had a purpose for that. Um, and I am excited. I am excited. I, honestly, honestly, I was, I was like, Lord, call me here. <laughs> do I move now or do I move later? Do I stay? Do I send them just back home by themselves? Like, Lord. But, you know, I know that there is lack and there is you know, like, it's hard. It's a hard life. But that connection with the Holy Spirit, that fire, that the ones that run the whole show are the youth. And they will start, yeah, and jumping up and down that. We only see that in the football field. In church, we are embarrassed. And this is where everything needs to start. That when the moment that you are on fire, like you are over there in the football field, that's the moment that God is going to move and the revival is going to come. But I cannot be by myself or just the four of us. Yeah, because we're on fire because we came. And then we're, we come to a church that is like, okay, the less I do, the better. Yeah, no, no, don't be too loud because, you know, we get like, no. Church, that is my take for you this year. 
We have to work in unity. Please, please. That is something that God wants. We have to be one body. One body. The moment that we realize that we are all working and we're not fighting with each other. There's no bickering. There's no jealousy. There's no envy. Oh, but I know better and I, I, I do this better and the other one does it. And no, there's probably two people that can do basically the same. But in God's eyes, each of them have a different gift. There's no need for jealousy, no need for strife, no need for division. So I want you to take that. It doesn't matter how big, how old, how young. God uses us all if we are available. Okay, so I am excited. I am pumped. I don't know when I'm going again, but I'm going to go. Because there is a much greater vision. I already told Pastor, I need to talk to you because God showed us some stuff that it's like, whoa. So I'm like, yeah. My kids are like, mom, you don't stop talking. I'm like, I'm excited. Because I see God moving somewhere. <laughs> so, and I know that the God that we serve here is the same one that they serve over there. So I can believe just like they believe. Amen? I don't have to translate this time. You said a lot of what I wanted to say. Oh, no. <laughs> I could sit. No. The, <laughs> I think the main thing that Montana and I, because he's not able to be here today, um, would say about the trip is that we weren't really sure what we were going to be doing. None of us were. Um, but we both kind of had, we talked about it after the trip, so we had no idea that each other was going through that situation. But we had prayed about it together separately, talked about it with our families, talked about it with my parents and things like that. Um, talked about it with Jenny's about whether or not we were ready to go because we, I don't know, we felt like we weren't as experienced and our Spanish is not as good as theirs. So we weren't sure exactly how we would do um, over there. But we decided, you know, we have peace over it. So there's going to be something right that we're doing here. So we pulled the trigger and we went ahead and bought the tickets. We went and as we're landing in Cuba, it's too late to go back home. <laughs> we're landing in Cuba and we stopped to um, use the restrooms before we went through the passport um, checking and Montana and I went to the restroom at the same time on the opposite sides and I'm just washing my hands whatever whenever I got into the restroom I just stood in the stall and I was like what am I doing here <laughs> and I just started honestly bawling I was crying because I was like I don't speak Spanish that well I'm not going to be able to bless people like I should be able to if I'm coming to their country. And I just wasn't sure where my place was going to be, I think. And I told God, I was like, if this is not for me, if I'm not supposed to be here, forgive my disobedience and still use me anyways, but I won't come back because I'm already here and it's too late to go home. And what I didn't know was that Montana was having the exact same moment in the restroom across from me where you're standing in the stall saying, what am I doing here? Why did I choose to do this? And he said the same thing. God, I'm here. I'm available. My hands and my heart is open. And 
use me. And if this is a mistake, I won't come back. But for now, I'm here, so just use me as much as you can. So we basically prayed separately and then went back out, um, pretending nothing had happened. And <laughs> and when we got to the camp, honestly, like what Jenny's was saying, we, at least Montana and I, I'll speak for us, that we thought we were going to help, to, you know, do hands-on things with the kids and talk to them and, you know, minister to them and things like that. And honestly, I felt like we, we did help. We did what, you know, they told us to, what they asked us to help with. But we mainly felt like we were learning from them. Sometimes we wouldn't be doing anything. We'd be sitting listening to the word because that's what was happening in the morning. And we'd sit down and just listen and like, this is stuff that I need. This is stuff that I need to take home and stuff that I'm struggling with. And just like what Jenny was saying, how the, the teams would work with each other. I didn't even know that there were four different churches there until they told me. I thought it was all one church, how well they worked together and how much they didn't group up or... Oh, like, we'll wait for the other church to come talk to us. They did everything together. And the one thing that I think we learned the most and bless us the most is that in a place where there is so much, like, bondage and oppression from the government, I've never seen more free people. Even the kids. You could tell. Like, Montana and I, they're at the end of the day, um, on the last days of the camps for both groups of kids, they would pray, play praise and worship music, and we would lay hands on the kids, just pray for them, pray for them. And Montana and I prayed for them in Spanglish because there were some things we wanted to speak over them that we just couldn't say in Spanish. And we told them, we're going to speak to you in English and Spanish, but we're praying for you. We're on your side. What can I help you with today? And just so many kids are struggling with so many big things that they don't understand, that they don't know how to deal with. And for the camp to teach them the first word for the little kids. And they were dealing with heavy stuff. They were telling us a lot of things. What their theme was is that they were soldiers for the kingdom of God and that their biggest weapon was prayer. Because no matter where you are, prayer reaches. No matter where you're at. And the kids would stand up and they would pray and they were so full of the word. They knew all the Bible stories. Some of them didn't even go to church every day. We found out, I mean, not every day, every week that they weren't church kids, and they still knew the Bible stories. They still wanted to participate, and they were learning a lot, and they just needed a lot of prayer from us. And so I think the, the main thing that we took away from that is that God is moving very fast over there. We see, like Jenny was saying, a fire in the kids and the youth and the adults, and we want to go back to, to learn more, to help them more, but we, <laughs> we made friends with a lot of the kids, so we want to go and just keep praying for them and keep getting updates on their lives and seeing how they progress because we see something really, really big happening there. Quiero darle gracias a Dios por la oportunidad de ir a Cuba otra vez y este uh, ver ahí la palabra de Dios. Los, eh, conocimos a los pastores que están allí en, en el lugar del campamento y ver cómo ellos caminan en, en una fe sencilla creyéndole a Dios, que lo que Dios dice es verdad. Y ellos lo están viendo porque las cosas están pasando alrededor de ellos, pero eso no los atrae, no los, no los motiva. Ellos simple y sencillamente le creen a Dios, que de alguna manera Dios lo va a hacer. Y siempre lo, y lo siguen viendo cada día. Y verdad, y estuvimos hablando con ellos, con los pastores, 
y lo, todo lo que está sucediendo en este campamento está lleno de actividades y ellos están ahí todos los días sirviendo a Dios con esa fe, con ese corazón sencillo de simple y sencillamente servir a Dios. Ese es su corazón. Y eso es lo que yo este, me traje conmigo de ver ese, que nada sofisticado, ¿sí? del lugar, de las circunstancias, de lo que hay. Simple y sencillamente Dios es bueno. Amén. Yo le doy gracias a Dios también, como todos nosotros, por esa oportunidad que nos da de ir a aprender más que nada, como decía Janice, nosotros no tanto dimos, fuimos un apoyo para ellos, pero en realidad Dios tenía un propósito para nosotros y vimos un más grande propósito. Esta vez íbamos expectantes porque era algo diferente de lo que hicimos la vez pasada, pero a la vez sabíamos que Dios tenía algo en, el que, en lo que quería que nosotros participáramos. Y como les digo, nosotros más que nada vimos la unidad con la que ellos trabajan. Es una unidad. Y yo les decía a ellos, yo me quedo admirado del servicio de cada uno de ellos. No importa si son niños, si son jóvenes, si son adultos mayores. Vimos muchos adultos mayores sirviendo desde en la mañana hasta en la noche, preparando los alimentos para esas para esos niños, para esas personas y usted y podíamos ver el gozo y la gratitud que ellos tienen a Dios de servir, de servir cada momento y ellos, como decía Yanis, no sabíamos si eran de una iglesia, si eran de otra iglesia, todos estaban ahí en un mismo sentir, que es el sentir de servir, ¿verdad? Y que todo se hace para el reino de Dios, todos somos una familia, somos el cuerpo de Dios y esa fue una de las cosas que a mí me impactó mucho ver a los jóvenes, cómo ellos sirven, ellos enseñan a los niños con esa pasión, porque se preparan de una manera que no nada más se preparan así, ellos hacen sus carteles, allá es un poquito más difícil conseguir las cosas, pero aún así ellos tenían todo de una manera en excelencia. Y aunque las clases, hermanos, no son ni en sillas, son abajo de un árbol, los niños sentados en el piso, los niños nunca tuvieron en sillas porque no hay para tenerlos a todos así. Ellos en el suelo, ellos paraditos alaban, cuando reciben la palabra se sientan ahí mismo, le digo a Alejandro, y todos están así juntitos, juntitos, le digo, pero nadie que se empuja, que están viendo nada. Ellos oran unos por otros al recibir la palabra, la reciben con ese... No sé, es algo que uno no ve, no lo ve ni a uno, ni aquí con los adultos, a veces de veras que es penoso. Veo a los varones, hermanos, y eso fue algo que a mí me, me, me llamó mucho la atención, los varones sirviendo. Nadie les tiene que decir, si había que poner sillas, allí estaban, si había que poner bancas, si había que hacer esto, ellos se mueven, se mueven por el amor, por la pasión que ellos sienten. Y eso es algo que a mí me causó mucho. Ya lo habíamos visto en el otro, pero en este en especial yo vi esa unidad porque había más iglesias. La otra vez que, que fuimos era la, la iglesia del hermano Joel Silva, porque ahora conocemos otro hermano Joel, por eso ahora hablamos con apellido Joel Rodríguez. A mí me impactó su corazón, 
de él, de su esposa, de servir. Él podía andar descalzo en un ratito lavando el piso, como podía estar sirviendo la comida, como podía estar cocinando, como podía agarrar a su motoneta si se necesitaba algo, iba por las cosas. Que él, yo le dije, hermano, este, habrá posibilidad de que nos traigan mango. <risa> él dijo, ahorita mando, y él fue, mandó a alguien y nos trajo y nos hicieron una charola así de grande de mango y nos la ponían. Y ellos son puro corazón, hermano, puro corazón. Y ahí se ve que no importa si no tengo, si tengo, la cosa está aquí. Y yo digo que todo está aquí si tenemos la gratitud. La gratitud es lo que nos debe mover. De tener esa pasión por Dios, por servirle, y no importa en qué, pero servirle. Eso es lo que Dios quiere de nosotros, pero que trabajemos en unidad, en esa unidad de espíritu. Eso es lo que Él busca. Y yo le doy muchas gracias a Dios por todos los que se involucraron de alguna manera en dar, de, en ayudarnos en todo lo que hicimos. Le damos gracias a nuestras familias, también a nuestros esposos que estuvieron ahí para también para apoyarnos en todo, porque fueron largos días, pero fue de mucha bendición. Y yo le doy gracias a Dios por eso. Well, okay, good morning again. All right, let's get into it this morning. Well, again, so awesome with the team, and it just blessed me to hear all that. Let me tell you something that's pretty interesting, and, and it just got confirmed by what Yanni shared. So my, usually what happens when, you know, if I'm teaching on a series or whatever, you know, I believe God's telling me to do, I don't wait till Saturday night to get it ready. You know, it's like Monday I'll play with idea, I might make a few notes, you know, I find time the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And, you know, usually by Friday you kind of have a structure, you know, of what I believe God wants us to do. And, and that's usually my pattern. Well, no change this week, you know, and I, and I mentioned last week what I really believe was where we were going. And then I come into Saturday and the message doesn't feel right. It's just like, uh, you know, and that's the worst thing as a pastor. Thank you, sir. Or as a preacher to, you know, to have the wrong message. Or, or feel like, you know, you're not, so I pr pretty much just scratch, scratch, that. and here, here I am Saturday, trying to listen to the Lord yesterday, and then, you know, I got a lot of activities, and family came over, and what have you, up and down, and come in Saturday night, I finally find a little time yesterday night, and I'm still like, no, and that's like really not a good place, you know, I've been doing this almost 30 years, you would think like, oh, you got this, every time you take the pulpit, for those of you that think this is weird, every time, over 30 years, you feel nervous, you feel like you're not ready, you feel like, you know, because that is, that's not a bad thing. That's actually what you want to be because you get to depend more on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if you're overly prepared, you, you know, you might present a wonderful message, but it has no impact. So you have to be careful. So that's how it came. So Saturday night, I kind of feel like, well, Lord, I'll just go up there with nothing. And I don't have a problem with that. I've done that many times. Well, you know, God, and so this morning, of course, I was up at four, and now it's time to get ready, right? And it just, and again, I'm going through my ideas and my thoughts, and I'm like, 
And right around 6 in the morning, and that's how God is, it just starts coming. And when it comes, it, you just got to put it down, right? And it's not a new message. It's nothing, but it was completely different where I was going. But what's amazing of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see, you know, I got the notes. I got everything prepared. It's a good message. Everything lines up with what, was, what the team brought in, from the spiritual context. Cause so what, what I'm seeing is, you know, God's really trying to, to understand something. Let me see if I can my mics again. And... I'm glad you're here this morning, and you know, and those of you that are on- online, you know, this is for you also. Are we just finishing mics everywhere here? <laughs> okay. So I can do this without interrupting it a lot. I'm so quiet. Well-behaved church. Okay, here we go. So let's get right into it this morning, and um, at the end, I'm going to try to be, <laughs> yeah, try to be brief, Pastor Box, sure. Um, but we do have communion. I do want to have communion, and um, so you're here. And it's good to see some of you coming back. You know, I know summer was weird, but really something that, that Yanis brought in the team, I think it's all of us, before I get into the word, you know, start thinking about your part, because it's going to go right into what, what the team brought. But I just really feel that, that God is putting a demand in a good way, just a little more. And it's not about, oh, just, you know, because I know people say, like, church is too much, and it's not about too much because, you know, we, we've created religion, we've created institutions, but it was never about that. You know, God was, you know, you have to live your life, you've got to go to work, you've got to raise family, you've got to pay bills. But in all that, all those dynamics of your life, the one dynamic that you want to make sure is solid is your relationship with God. Not, not you being perfect, or it's just make sure, like I always say, we're not perfect, it's one of my little pet sayings, but we're pointed, you know, perfect, there's not one of us. So let's stop playing the Christian game of, you know, we're all got this together. Not one in this room has got it together. Can I hear an amen? amen? Okay. That's why we need God. If we had it together, we wouldn't need God. So with that in mind, really, you know, in the next few weeks, next few months, you know, really listen to the Holy Spirit because, I, you know, I just believe, you know, this church has gone through all kinds of dynamics through the COVID season. Some a lot of churches didn't even come out of COVID season. But here's my point. I just feel that God is not done with Heavenville. And Heavenville is going to continue to be a light, and not only to this community, but into, the, into missions, you know. And you keep, think about how supernatural it is that a church of this size in a little community, and there's lots of churches all over America of this size, through all over a lot of th- hundreds of communities, but that God would take a, a church like this and send teams to countries and send teams like, you know, these ladies that go to Cuba into it. Because, guys, we just like, oh, that was cute. No, this is a communist nation. It is, you have no context of any, if you, if you go in there with an American thinking, you're completely lost because there's no, con, I mean, a church in Heavenville that's not even incorporated as a city and is going to nations and is changing things. You know, next week I'm going to the Navajo Nation and we've been doing that for almost 30 years. And, you know, this is who we are. You know, we're not just called to have a group of people get together and, okay, you know, let's clap a few songs on Sunday and let's move on. No, we are called to make a difference. Amen. So with that in mind, that's actually the title of my message. Let's go right into it. I was in such a hurry, I forgot my iPad, but I got my phone, so I got it all here. So let's talk about this this morning. Now, what is it to make a difference? If you guys can get me with the slides up there. So the first thing, you know, I want to I bring up is, you know, the big question we ask is why? Why, why? And I have to ask myself this, because we all go through different seasons, even spiritually speaking, and, you know, you, sometimes you look at a pastor and say, well, oh, pastor, they got it all. <laughs> Trust me, life comes at us, all of us, and it comes with a lot of stuff. 
And sometimes you do get weary in well-doing. And I've gotten weary in well-doing many times over the years. And it's not a fun place to be. But I just, I'm going to speak what I believe every Christian. Actually, that was the message I was going to preach to you. It's still a really good message. It just wasn't for today. But it was really about how do you deal with doubt? That was the original message. You know, do Christians doubt? Well, I found out some of the greatest heroes in the Bible had a lot of doubt. So we'll deal with that when I get back, all right? Let's get back to this. But, you know, you, you come into the things of God, and I'm just going to talk about myself. I can't talk for anybody, but I see it in some of you. I see it in, for example, Yanis, their team, you know, Lauro, Kathy, a lot of you, that there's something in there that is beyond the church. There's something bubbling in there that God has placed that is beyond faithway. It is beyond, oh, I, I get to, no, it's something else. Because, you know, there's been times that I did not want to do this. Imagine that, you know. Um, there's been times that I did not want to continue to do this. In other words, and I'm not backsliding. I love Jesus. I'm not, I'm not letting go of Jesus. You know, he's, he, he saved me from hell, you know, real hell and other hells. But I was, I was weary in well-doing. And if you're not careful, you end up in a position where you be, it becomes kind of like a job. You know you got to do it, but there's no fun in it. And that is, that is, that is also actually a normal place to be. Not a good place. But it's not God doesn't, you know, well, I'm feeling this. Is that bad? No. So before I give you the scripture, I want to use the story of Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite old covenant prophets just because I don't know. I don't know why I feel like I relate to him. Hopefully you guys won't kill me because his church killed him. But um, <laughs> other than that, well, not his, I mean, the nation of Israel, you know, he was a prophet called to the nation. And he had words for the nation, and the nation rejected him. And he got so frustrated that he was done. Hello, Pastor Box, right? You know, you have words for people, and you get so frustrated. And he gets so irritated. He goes, you know what, God? I'm not going to do this anymore. You know what else, God? Go ahead and kill me. Because I'm not doing it. And he's having this really hard time. And at the end of Jeremiah's life, that's what I'm saying, (laughs) the people that he was called to help, they're the ones that killed him. So hopefully that's not y'all. But anyway, he comes to this place, and then he answers the same question that I've had, or maybe you have felt. So you say, well, you know, I'm not a pastor, I'm not in ministry, but have you felt dry seasons? Have you felt like, you know, what's the point of going to church? What's, you know, yeah, you know, we've been doing this so long. You know, is this it? Is there something else? Or maybe, you know, again, I keep hitting the message that I've been working on all week, you know, the doubts come in about all these kind of stuff that we do or we don't do. So it comes down to this. So... Right in, in, in Jeremiah's turmoil and, you know, difficult moment, go ahead and give me that first one you had up there, this happens. <laughs> and this is that one scripture that for years God has reminded me of. So, you know, he's talking, and there's a lot of context I'm not going to try to bring. So see, then he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore his name, but his word, in other, right? You know what he's saying there? He says, I'm not talking about God anymore. I'm not going to preach to anybody. I'm not prophesying to anybody else. That's where he comes into that. He's telling God this. God, in other words, God, I quit. That's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my two weeks notice, Lord. That's basically what he's saying. And he says, I am not going to talk about you anymore. I'm not going to mention your name anymore. I'm not mad at you, God, but these people, they don't deserve it. I'm done. And watch what happens. But his word was in my heart. And I get chills. I mean, I get emotional. If you hear my crack in my voice, I am. Because there's been so many times in my own personal life where, like, I'm done. 
Again, not done with Jesus, just done with this. Or done into something else, because I love missions. I can do missions all day. I can eat, breathe, and mission. Some of you can't handle missions, I'll tell you right now. Even Cuba is a great mission, but that's not extreme missions. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Oh, you sleep in a tent, eat whatever is weird food is in front of you in the Ukrainian mountains. That could be a little more extreme than Cuba sometimes. But, you know, I can do that. My wife can do that. She slept in that tent with me, you know, in a little tiny tent. I mean, we have stories and stories. So I can eat and breathe missions all day long. But the beauty of missions is you go, you minister to people, and you never have to see them again. Don't you just feel a warm, fuzzy feeling this morning about how much love is coming off the pulpit? Um, There was a story about Rick Renner, one of my favorite, favorite guys, great pastor in Moscow. (laughs) He was sorry. He shared off the pulpit. He was sorry to tell you one one morning with his church and his staff. He said, I went in there. I kicked chairs down. I'm like, well, I haven't gotten to that point down. You know, he just kicked chairs in the church. So if you guys come in next Sunday, there's chairs all over the place. Yeah. Anyway. So, but this is, he says, his word was in my heart. And it was as a burning fire that is shut up in my bones. In other words, and I was weary with forbearing of what I could not say. Now, he'll, he'll go into the whole explanation, but he was saying there is something in me that is greater than my natural desire not to do or to do something. And that is really where I want to build this because, you know, the, the, the idea of Christianity, and this is, any, every church can fall into it. I'm sure this church has fallen into it. Hopefully it's not there. We be get very mechanical. That's kind of what, you know, we very mechanical. Show up on Sunday, sing the three songs, you know, do the prayer, make sure everybody's out by 12, you know, do the communion, and, you know, children's church, all our programs. We can become very program-driven, or we can become purpose-driven. And I think, I don't want you to hear this message as a church message. I want you to hear it as a personal message, because here's, here's the key to this whole thing. You know, there, God puts something in people. Now, I, I want to go out on a limb and say he puts it in everybody, and just some people don't, what do you call it, you know, put fire on the, or put fuel on the fire. But when you, my experience, my experience might be different because I grew up in church. Of course, I ran from God many, many years. But I know that when I came back, even though my life was a wreck, on every level you can imagine, I, all, I, all I had good going was I was saved. That was it. You know, unemployed, broke. You know, everything. Everything's off. But I knew something had happened, right? Now, you have this deposit that God makes you. And that deposit, when I said, Jesus, come into my life, and I was, if I back up a little bit into the day I gave my life to God, a few minutes, and I'm not going to take you through my testimony or what happened in my case, but right before that prayer, the final prayer that I gave God in September of 1992 was, if you can use this, meaning my life, that's how low my self-esteem was. If you can use this, here I am. That was it. I didn't know what that meant. Thank you, Lord. But you didn't tell me what that meant. I might have not offered that, right? But um, in my head, it was get saved, get off of drugs, go play your guitar at church, behave, and don't be an idiot. My context, that was I'll serve God. Well, God had a whole different plan, obviously. But he puts this fire, and every one of you has it. Every single believer has it. And part of that fire to me was, I got to tell somebody. I didn't know enough to, you know, I was, I still needed so much to get my life. I was saved, but I had such a long path still to get my stuff in order. But even at the moment of being saved, there was a fire lit in me. That that fire had been there since I was a child. But it was, you know, the devil tried to destroy it. But when Jesus came back, guess what he did? He put the match back on where it was. 
That's why this scripture is so personal to me because through all the years, that's what I feel. There's times I don't feel like doing this. There's times I don't feel like going on missions. There's times like I don't, you, you know, guys, you'd be surprised. Sometimes I, I don't like even picking up offerings because that's not my, I, that's not my, it feels like, oh, I'm going to go here and beg for money. That's not who I am. Now, I got to teach you Bible finances, but a lot of people just keep rejecting and rejecting. I get to the point, so they said, I'm not even, you know, they want to give, give, I'm not going to pick up an offering again. <laughs> because it's almost like a used car salesman, right? Come on, come on, give some money to the Lord. That's not me. You know, I want to teach the truth, but I know how it comes across. Some people are like, oh, dinero. And for me, that bugs me because that's not my personality. You get me? That's not who I am. I, I, if anything, I'm more than a giver than a taker. Trust me, I, we give and love to bless people. But my point of it is there's a lot of things that in ministry that are uncomfortable, that are this, but, but once God puts that fire... So back to my story real quick, and it's not about me, just from the beginning, there was a need to share what God had done in my heart. Now, how was I going to do it? I didn't know. So I ended up, you know, signing up with the prison ministry team and doing this and doing that. And, you know, fast forward 30 years, here we are. So that scripture to me is a foundation. Every one of you has a fire. All right? So let's go on. Let me give you some of my notes. Give me the next one. So... As leaders, you know, we are all leaders. Let, let me put it this way. Well, I'm not a Yes, you are. You're leading something. You're leading your kids. You're leading your marriage. You're leading your business. You're leading something. So don't, just because you're not a church leader, that doesn't mean you're not leading. You're leading something, and we're all leading someone or something. You're leading these little kids. You're training them. So the question is, what are we doing with that responsibility? Every one of you is leading and I'm not trying to lead this into say, okay, everyone has to serve in ministry. That's not the point of this message. But we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility over my kids. You know, even though they're adults now, they're still watching me. That's why they still come to church. Come on, guys. I know a lot of pastors, good friends of mine, that the pastors love Jesus and their kids have nothing to do with Jesus. So to me, it is an important thing. It is actually a testimony in my life that my kids still want something to do with Jesus. Because raising kids in a pastoral environment, pastoral home environment, is pretty hard. So my point is, you know, what is, what is it? The question is, what are we doing with the responsibility of leading? You say, are you changing subjects? No, because the title of the message is how to make a difference. So once you accept that you're going to lead from your kids to your business, but more so to lead people to Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what the gospel message was. The gospel message wasn't about prosperity. Do I believe God prospered you? Yes. But it's not about prosperity. Even though some people make it all about that. People that I respect make it all about that. Well, not that I respect a whole lot, but there's a lot of big-name preachers that make it all about that. And it's not all about that. Yes, we need money. You know, they can't go to, you heard it, $15,000. That's what it takes to send a team to Cuba and help kids. You say, well, that's a lot of money. Well, you know, God's got it. Say amen. But it's not about the money. It's about the gospel. So when you, when you understand this, okay, so what is, now let me ask you this question. I'm going to assume, well, I can look around this room. I know everyone watching me is a believer. I'm like 100% confident. I don't see one person here that I'm saying, eh, I wonder if they're not born again. So maybe online somebody's watching that doesn't have the experience. But as a leader, guess what? Your first responsibility, parents, your first responsibility, you know what it is? Lead your children to Jesus. I mean, that's number one because if you haven't noticed, look at the world. And what you're seeing in the world is a lack of order. So, 
I'm, I'm actually way ahead of what I need to be. <laughs> but there's a lack of order that is visible from parenting to everything else, and now we have this mess. I saw some things, gosh, that they're just so bad. I mean, I'm not going to mention, but they're like mainstream now, you know? The uh, one that really bugged me, I'll just throw it out there, this 11- or 12-year-old boy that is now a, um, well, he's not, I mean, he's still a boy, I guess. He's a, what do they call them, cross-dressers, whatever, but he dresses like a girl, but he's only 11, and he goes to strip clubs, and he goes all this, and I'm thinking, where are the parents? Where's the law? I mean, it's just crazy world. Again, don't go Google this stuff. It just, it just, just popped up. I'm like, what is going on? Well, that is a world without order. That is a world without leadership. You go to a family. If a family is a wreck, it's a family without leadership. And sometimes it's either the mom has to lead it, single moms. I'm saying single moms are my heroes because they got to play both parts. But somebody has to lead. And if, if I'm mean, just saying, just go to a house where nobody leads, it's a mess. You want a worst case scenario? Go to a house where the kids lead. Now, that's not even a joke. That's, there's some people that are, look at you got a niño. That's what we're, you know, and that's a mess. No, there is a there. There has to be leadership. We can't function without leaders. I can't function. I need leadership. I have a pastor. <laughs> you know, I need somebody over me to 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 show me, to guide me, to correct me. Well, all of us have that responsibility. So when you understand this, is what are we doing with the responsibility? So let's bring it back into the context of, of the church and Christianity. The responsibility, number one responsibility of everyone in this room is to be a blessing. That's a, that's a bottom line. But the blessing is not just, you know, I'm going to give you money, I'm going to give you groceries. It's to shine this light that God has given us. Because, you know, our life goes through all kinds of storms. But if I'm going to focus just on my life, I'm not going to be efficient. And that's sometimes what happens in church. You come to church and, you know, you've had a rough week. Somebody had a rough week. I want to hear to be ministered. Yes, and I'm glad you're here. But a lot of the ministry where the church misses it is that, you know, feed me, help me, patch me up, put a Band-Aid on me, pastor. But a lot of your repair is not in that. A lot of your repair is when you take the truth and you put it into practice, especially when you understand the foundation of the gospel. In other words, you're having a rough life. But if you run into somebody, I, I can guarantee as a Christian, you might be going through a lot of storms, but there's a lot of people without Jesus that are going through a lot worse storms. And you might bump into them in stripes or at Walmart or a friend of yours or a family member, and the Holy Spirit will prompt you to shine your light. So we have a responsibility. Now, I want to I finish this point, but the point is you carry a leadership responsibility, not only over your house, but over, spiritually speaking, to the kingdom. Because preach the gospel to every creature wasn't called just for the pastors. That was everybody. All right? So give me the next one. Now, let's go to Jude. Again, one of my, I've given you two of my life foundation scriptures of ministry. The one that I, in Jeremiah and this one, these are the two things that God gave me probably like in 1993 that really just revolutionized what I was supposed to do and what my calling was. And it's right here. And there's something, it's amazing. This is like one of my favorite readings in my life. And I saw something this morning that I had never seen. So, I mean, I've read this. I've studied it. Trust me, I know this passage. But I still was able to see things that God had not revealed to me. Isn't that cool? When you read something and something else, and I'll, show, and I'll share some of that this morning. So Jude 1, it's only one chapter, verse 21, he says, Keep yourselves in 
the love of God. I'm going I'm to dissect this thing line upon line because this is really like the, the central scripture this morning. So number one, he says, you know, whatever you do, look at your neighbor and say, whatever you do, don't walk out of love. I know that's so difficult, right? Some of you make that very difficult. But anyway, <laughs> keep yourselves in the love of God. And then he gives you a series of instructions. He says, number one, look for mercy. Because guess what? You need mercy. Everybody needs mercy. And then he says, on some have compassion. And here comes the big one. That just my whole life's been based on that. One little, the next three words, the whole ministry that we've ever done was based on those three words. Making a difference. You see, if I don't, feel, if I don't make a difference this morning, it was pointless. If you don't go leave this building or those watching me online... Don't go home and say, hmm, I needed that. Or I can adjust something in my life now because I've heard that. Oh, I didn't know that, and now I have direction. Then this whole service was worth it. But if you just walk out like, I'm glad that was over with. You know, there's not a lot, lot of life left because at the end of the day, we have to be making a difference. We don't go to Cuba to just say we went to Cuba. And trust me, you don't go to Cuba on vacation. Well, I mean, you could, but not the way we do it. <laughs> I'm sure you could buy an expensive package and go to Varadero and never really see any Cubans ever, except the ones that serve at the hotel. No, we don't do that. We go to the heart, to the real. So, you know, but at the end of the day, if, if this team did, came back and said, well, what you, what you guys do? Well, I don't think we really did anything. We just took a bunch of stuff down. We took $15,000 worth of stuff. I'm like, you guys aren't going back. <laughs> I don't care how much money you took. Because at the end of the day, if somebody didn't make a difference. But trust me, if, if Faithway has made a huge difference in Cuba. And, you know, talking very briefly with Yanis in the hall, when you're just trying to find out how everything had gone, God has a way of shifting. Not shifting, but God has a way of setting things up that you have no idea how that works. And stop trying to figure it out. And one of the things he does is he'll send you to do something to get you there. Because he can't get you there unless he tells you to go for that reason. Because you're not going to go for any other reason. But once he gets you there, he changes the whole thing up. Same thing happened in, exactly the same thing that happened to me in Ukraine happened the same thing in Cuba. Exactly the same thing. The reason I went to Ukraine, the, the only reason we went, the, the, the very first thing we did in 2004, we were there to do a series of concerts throughout the country, youth ministry, music and youth ministry. That was it. First trip to Cuba, it was similar. It was a praise and worship conference. We were there to play and to teach praise and worship stuff. Like they say here, nada que ver. <laughs> so y'all, Katarina and all you guys, God might be shifting this whole thing. Because it's not just my Cuban ministry. They got their own little Cuban ministry going. And I'm f- proud of them and I'm fine with that. But God has a way of shifting. So I went to Cuba and I figured this is my only trip. It's awesome. No, and then now we're over here building churches, putting air conditioners, buying farms. Are you kidding me? Isn't that cool? And, and, you know, Ukraine, the same thing. By the time we started there, you know, within a year, we're doing pastor's conferences. I mean, from youth ministry, jump up on a stage and play loud music, to organizing pastors. And we had over 400, 500 pastors at these meetings. And, and so you go from one thing to another, to another, to another. And where I'm going with this point is you have to be comfortable with that. 
Because part of that making a difference, that is that adjustment. When you take, number one, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to bring up the whole message so you, so you get it, you know, in the right context. Leadership. God is calling you to lead something. But guess what? God is calling you to make a difference. You're not just leading your family. You're called to make a difference in your family. You're called to lead, you know, so the, the word making of difference and having compassion has to go together. So we are called to make a difference. And obviously, in all the years we've been in Cuba, we see a lot of different things. You know, it's a whole different scenario than when I went. Now, here's where it's going to get really good. And others save with fear. Now, fear doesn't mean, oh, I'm scared to save you. It means take it really seriously. Take it really seriously. In other words, highest level of respect. In other words, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean I'm scared of God. You understand that, right? That's an old English word to say highest level of respect. And that's what that means there. It doesn't say, so he says, and others with the highest level of respect pull them out of the fire. And that I put it in bold because that's the one that really pulled on me this morning. And I'm thinking pulling, because, you know, for years I would read it and I'm like, yeah, preach Jesus so they don't go to hell. Yeah, and that's pretty clear. But then something else about that word just kept building, you know, in, like I said, from last night to this morning. And here's where I, where, what, what came out of that. Fire, you know, there's a context in the Bible where fire is great, Holy Spirit and fire. But when we talk about fire in this natural plane, almost every instance of fire, except for maybe keeping you warm at night, is about destruction. Everything other than keeping you warm, you know, you stay out in the sun, you get cancer, <laughs> fire, right? I mean, house burns down, fire. But you know what? People are dealing with fires all day. Your kids are on drugs, fire. Your marriage is a mess, fire. You got laid off, that's a fire. In other words, fires that are coming to destroy everything in people's lives. And you, and you see a system like Cuba, that whole system is designed to destroy people's lives. I mean, there's no other reason that system works. It's designed to enrich the top and keep everybody in slavery. Amen. It's amazing how communism works, that every communist leader that has ever existed is a multimillionaire. That's pretty cool, huh? Fidel Castro was one of the you know, richest men in the world. I asked a pastor in Cuba once, I said, he said, well, how can he not be the richest man? He's got a whole nation working for him. That's, your, that's a communist dream, just in case those of you think it's all it, which I know you don't. But the fire is a lot of circumstances that people get into. It could be self-inflicted. You did a dumb something, you put yourself in the fire. It can be random attack. It can be everything from a horrible marriage where people are being abused and, or you know, kids that are being... I mean, we could go through every scenario of darkness and you could say that is there that was called that was specifically designed to destroy somebody now question is there anyone in your life that you can identify say you know those people are going through a fire right now or maybe you're going through a fire right now maybe there's something in your life that's burning down or has been burned down and you don't know how to deal with it well this whole thing you know he says let's 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 keep breaking down because that is really the effect of the other things that we read in the two previous scriptures. So if I can keep myself in, in God's love, which is sometimes it's really difficult, 
But you can do it. You can do it. Just let things slide off of you. Don't take anything personal because we're doing it. This is not my love for you. It's God's love for you. And God's love for you is not compromised. My love for you could be compromised because maybe I don't like you. But God's love cannot be compromised. Y'all with me? <laughs> yeah, y'all didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, come on. You don't love everybody. Don't, don't oh, I love everybody. No, you don't. <laughs> Stop, Pastor Bob. Number one, figure this thing out. Can you love unconditionally? I don't know. Well, I think you can. In other words, as long as you don't let things simmer, you can love. It's the, you know where we get in trouble is when we let things simmer. Everybody know what simmer is? Shh. Somebody says something, instead of just letting it go, you let it simmer. And you, oh, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Keep yourselves in the love of God. Figure out what compassion is. Compassion is not feeling sorry. That's not, you know what? You know, the, the word compassion from the Latin roots, because, you know, it's Latin-based root. I mean, those, uh, most of us here can understand it from the Spanish. Con pasión. With passion. But passion is not like, ooh, we're excited. Passion is you're willing to accept suffering. Remember the passion of the Christ? Remember the movie? Why is it called the passion of the Christ? Because, you know, if you say passion today, hey, I want you to play with passion, that means you're going to be all in in the sport. You're going to, you know, you scream. You're going to be excited. I want you guys to show some passion. Woo! No. Passion is you're willing to do it with pain. That's what passion means. You are willing. You have so much energy for whatever the project is that you don't care how much it's going to cost you. You don't care how much it's going to hurt you. You don't care how much pain you're going to experience because the cause or the purpose is greater than the pain. What is it? Why do, you know, let, let, let's just talk about this briefly because what we do costs a lot. And I'm not talking money. It costs you. It costs your life. You take these, these ladies, you know, all of them, me, including Katarina, but especially the rest of the team, they have a, a way more responsibility than she has because she's not married, she doesn't have kids, she doesn't have family to tend to. They're willing to drop everything. Why would you do that? Why would I take my wife and sleep in a tent in the Ukrainian mountains. Why, why do we do that? Because that was really the question we have to ask. Why do I do this? Well, I already answered. There's a fire in my bones. I can't quote you. I, I'm, I, I've already subdued to that, so I'm okay with that. Number one. But the other one is when you accept that fire that God has put in your spirit, he'll put some compassion in you. And compassion is not feeling sorry. I already told you that. Compassion is something, because you know, I'm going back to, you know, because this is a thing. We're talking about Cuba, but Years ago, I told the ladies team, when the first of Cuba started going thing, we got you know, the first VBS we did, or first children's ministry. I said, okay, you know, I, got, you know, I get pumped, I get excited. I said, this is awesome, we're going to Cuba. And I said, then we could do one in Mexico, and then we could do one in the Navajo Nation. And at first it sounded like a great idea, but then I realized that maybe that was just my excitement. Because when I started talking to the team, especially to Yanis, and she, and she told me right before you all left, you remember we talked about that? She says, you know, Pastor, yeah, you know, Mexico's there and everything. And, you know, I'm sure if I said, you need to go, I'm sure they're so awesome that they probably put it together and do it. But she didn't have the compassion. She says, but in Cuba, that's what you told me, right? If I, if I misword something, you can stop me. There's something. Is that what you said? That's what Jeremiah felt. You see, God doesn't call you to everything. But he does call you. And some of you are called to nations, but some of you are called to your neighbor. Pay attention now. 
I want to go to missions, okay? Start with your neighbor. I forget what church it was. I think it was, not, not Joel's, I think it was John. John Osteen, his dad, you know, Joel's dad. I believe it was his church. It had a great sign. I don't know if it's still there. I'm, I haven't been in Lakewood, you know, ever. You know, I was, I, I really, you know, John Osteen, I followed him for years. Joe, I mean, I have no problem with Joe. I'm just saying they had a sign. I, I believe it was Joel, John Osteen's church. That as you left the building, it says, welcome to the mission field. I love that. Because that's where missions like Ukraine, Cuba, Mexico. No, mission field's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Your neighbors are in pain. Your neighbors are suffering. What is burning up your community right now? That's, I'm asking Heavenville. I don't live here. I, I feel I'm part of the community because of the church, but I don't have any roots. I don't have any family. Well, I do. You guys are my family. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying other than you guys that are born, raised, you have your whole structure of life here, guess what? Your neighbors are on fire. Their marriages are on fire. Their finances are on fire. Their kids are on fire. And guess what you got? You got the answer. Come on, church. Wake up to this. Because, you know, if we stop doing this, we stop being church. And if you want to find out what, why churches disappear, is because they lose that. They, they lose that. They say they're comfortable with a couple, you know, 100 people, 200 people, 2,000 people, whatever the number is. They kind of fit into that. They got the money thing going. They got everybody's on payroll. Nobody has to don't rock the boat. Well, that's not Faithway. That is not Faithway. It's never been. It's never will be. Because every time something we think we're... <laughs> those of you... Come on, H. You've been with me forever. Every time it looks like we got this kind of balanced... God will just throw up something else. Like, oh, you guys think you got, oh, yeah, we got a little good rhythm with Ukraine. Oh, yeah, you got Ukraine down? Cuba. No, Lord, not anymore. Just enough. Just That's how God does this. When you think you're like, oh, we got it down. But you know what? That's a good place to be. Because if we lose that, we lose the fire. I'm talking of two fires, by the way, if you haven't picked it up. I'm talking about the fire that God puts and the fire that burns everything down. And we carry the fire That puts the other fire. Do you know, in, in, not that anybody cares, but I used to do all these trainings, you know, for hazmat and CFR, and anybody knows what I'm talking about. And in part of your training, there's a place up in College Station that's all dedicated, some, you know, for, for fire training. You know about that, Gilly? All it is, you go there, you know, you send people and they put fires out and all that. And there are scenarios where the only thing that will put out a fire is another fire. You ever know that? You ever heard of controlled burns? That's, what's why, that's why California is such a mess, because all the environmental wackos, they, they decided to get rid of the controlled burns, and now the whole state burns down. But a controlled burn is like, if we burn this down, we'll protect all this. So all I'm using that as an example is that we have a fire that will put out the destructive fires. And you can fight fire with fire, but it's got to be the Holy Ghost fire. And seeing this team up here and seeing the fire and seeing the... I got inspired just by listening to them. Hopefully you got inspired by listening to them. Because that, that, it's contagious. You know, I got a little bit of fire, but, but his, his wood's wet. Let me put some fire on it. You know, pretty soon it dries up. Pretty soon Laura's got the fire now. And he puts it on somebody else. And, and you know what happens? You got a church that has energy. It has a church that's actually going to make a difference in our community. I have a lot of plans that are coming up in September. And we'll wait till we get it all. We have leadership meetings and all that. But we really have to come back into the community. Let me put it this way. You really have to go back into the community. Because you, I mean, that we have to find, because there are things that Hebronville needs as a, as a society that the church has. 
And I'm not talking, let's all come to faith way. I'm talking about answers, solutions. How about peace? If you want to, if, I mean, if, you, if there's nothing else that you reason for you to come to church, I would put it, there's one place in my life that I can always find peace, and it's in the house of God. Amen. I'm going to say every house of God, but hopefully it's this one. You can find peace in God. You know, that's a reason to be here. So he goes and says, others save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating every garment spite of faith. So, so here, this, this idea that, that, that is written in the book of Jude is just so simple, but it is, can you love God? Can you have compassion for people? And if you can, those guess what? God is going to plant something in you, and you don't even have to worry or be overly concerned of how it works. It just happens. You'll be standing in Walmart. You know, Caden gets, gets impressed and says, I, I'm, this is like a joke in my house because nobody believes that I'm an introvert, but I am. I promise you I am. But Caden says, like, you can always talk to people. And it's not, no, it's not that I'm trying to find more people to talk to, but every time I encounter somebody... Guess what? The Holy Spirit starts bubbling it. I can talk to the waiters. I can talk to the cashier. I, I'll find something. I, we were at Walmart, and the guy's paying, and I hadn't seen that name because that was my dad's name, Russell, which is very real. You know, the guy looks Mexican in Laredo, and his name's Russell. <laughs> but that was enough to have a wonderful conversation. I said, you know, that was my dad's name. He goes, really? And you know, you hate because the line's like, woo. Because I support the employees. I don't use the free checkout because they don't pay me to check out my own groceries. They pay somebody else. I'm just figured. <laughs> anyway, so I'm having this great conversation. And, I, and I, you know, if there hadn't been a bunch of people, I could have inserted at some point, Jesus loves you, brother. You know, you don't have to be weird. But you can find, when you, have, when you carry these little simple ideas, you'll connect with people at their level everywhere, at work, at stripes, I mean, you'll bump into somebody, and God will give you something to connect with them. And it's an amazing way to live because, really, Christianity is not about buildings, guys. It's not about this is wonderful, this is awesome, but this is so much more. This is our training center. This is where we get information. Then we go out there and try to make a difference in people's lives. Amen? That, that's really the, the call. Give me the next one, Archie. I need to finish. We still have communion. Go ahead. Skip that one. I already dealt with that point. Evermore people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. One of the things that the church has, one of the things that you carry is meaning. You know, you see people living 100 miles an hour, you know, working themselves down to not even seeing their kids grow up. You know, they they never see their kids because they leave before they wake up and they come home when they're asleep, you know. And building and building and building and building, but building without meaning. Nothing wrong with building. Please don't misunderstand. Please create a future for your family. Create a future for yourself. Create a future for your kids. But don't forget meaning. Because meaning is the same as purpose. And I forget who said that. I, I, that's not my quote. I, I, I forget who said it. But it's a quote that says, Ever more people today have the means to live. We live in a society that has everything. But have we lost the meaning of life? One of the things that Christianity gives you is meaning. Not religion. Forget religion. because Doesn't it always start conversations? What church do you go to? I feel like I'm the satanic church there. You like it? What difference does it make what church you go to? The question should be, do you know Jesus? The question should be, what's your relationship with Jesus? Not what church you go to. Because at the end of the day, what difference does it make what church you go to? What makes is what connection you have with him. And if you have a connection with him, guess what? You're going to find the right church. 
Because if you're going to go to dead church, like, yeah, that's not my church. I got to go find a life church. When you have a live relationship with Jesus, he will put you where you're supposed to be. Now, if you have religion, you'll end up in all kinds of weird stuff. Or just a dead, not, maybe not necessarily weird, but pretty dead, right? Nothing going on, just eh, a few little Christianese words and make you feel good and go home. No, I'm talking about world changers. I'm talking about pastor, those are big words. Sorry, that's how I believe we can do it. It was Steve Jobs, maybe it wasn't his original thought, but I heard it from Steve Jobs. He says, those that are crazy enough to think they can change the world will actually change it. My question is, are you crazy enough to think that? Are you crazy enough that a church from Heavenville can go make a difference in a communist nation? Well, we're not crazy. It's happening. But I bet, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that might have been like a way out there idea, right? Like, oh, pastor's really lost it now. No. Compassion, passion, the love of God will create something in you that you've never seen before. He'll give you visions of, and I'm not talking, you know, like you ate the peyote or something visions. I'm not talking that visions. I'm talking he'll show you things about your life and about your purpose. Because, you know, one of the things the devil likes to put on people is to disqualify you. You know, and some of you, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you, by listening, I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, some of you, by listening to the team that was here, you were thinking, wow, that's awesome. And then you had a second thought. You said, man, I would love to do that. And then you had a third thought. And it says, I'm not qualified. You might have not heard it in that way, but you heard it. Don't raise your hand, but somebody heard it here. You got excited. You got to, whoo, and then right somewhere in there, the devil was like, no, you're not good enough. Well, tell me who's good enough. Huh? Nobody's good enough. That's why we need a Savior. But, you know, when you, when you go into this idea, when you say, you know what? I have meaning in my life. If all my meaning is to make somebody smile today, if my whole meaning in life is to make somebody laugh today, that's it. You completed your purpose of life. But you should live with that attitude. You know, you should live, how can I make a difference today? And I'm talking in a positive way, not in a negative way. we got a lot of people making a difference in a bad way. No, we have meaning. And we have to be able to do this. Let's go for the next one. Right, I'm trying to shotgun. Let's go to, I like this one. Proverbs 29, 18. Very well-known scriptures. You've heard them many times. But very simple truth, but it's still truth. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That applies to your marriage. That applies to your business. That applies to the way you raise your kids. That applies to, I mean, if you don't have plans for your kids right now, they might change it, but you still have a vision for your kids. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you have a vision for your kids? Raise your hand. Thank you. Like, I expect my kid to be rich so I don't have to work anymore. That's my vision. I already told all of them. I said, y'all think well, this was for free? Uh-uh. When I get old and I have to wear pampers, you get to change them. There has to be a vision in your life. There has to be a vision over your marriage, over your kids, over everything. Because where there is no vision, people perish. You know why churches die? Because they lose the vision. Like I said, you guys, a lot of you probably don't know, but the church, this church has gone through kind of weird dynamics. And, and, and usually the low spots, the first thing that gets hit when an organization or a church gets hit is the vision. People start talking about everything except the vision. Oh, we're already going to do the, oh, the electric bill is so high. If people don't want to come to church. We talk about everything, but we don't talk about the vision. You're, you know, when you're talking about making a difference, you're carrying the vision of God. You're not carrying your own vision. Jesus has a dream to see his family. 
together. That's all. That's the dream. You want the gospel message? I want my family. And guess what he's saying? He's telling you that you are part of his family now, which you weren't, but now you are. He says, go get some more of my kids. That's, that's, that's the whole gospel message. I want my family. I got you. Now go get me some more kids, Laura. Go bring me some more in. And we do it through programs. And, but, if, but, you know, the programs is not what drives it. It's what drives it is the vision. Amen? And the other translation of the CEV, the Contemporary English Bible, I put it up there, same scripture, but it says, where there's no vision, listen to this one, the people get out of control. What's wrong with America? No vision. The Constitution, Declaration of Independence, those are, those are the structural documents of vision for the nation. Okay? The pursuit of happiness, that was a vision. Well, the vision is getting blurred, and we see the mess that we're in. People get out of control. We see a nation under, out of control. We see a sexualized nation out of control. I mean, it's like insane. You know, having a conversation with a 12-year-old about the insanity of the sexualization that's going on, it's a hard conversation, but you have to have it. Because everything's about that now, right? <laughs> and all the different weirdness formats of that. And I said, there's more to life than that. I mean, that's part of life, but that's not the main part. But you see, that's a nation under control. It's a nation that's lost. I mean, here we are about to get into third world war with China, and we're working on pronouns. I started, my name is Pastor Box, and I will be identified as, what? Handsome and rich. Those will be my pronouns. Thank you. And I ask everyone to help on the rich one, like, be part of me being rich, okay? I'm saying, look at the nation. I mean, just, just briefly, guys. I know we might not think it's important, but I was watching TV, and, you know, again, my comment, thumbs up to Pelosi. We probably disagree on a 100% of everything. But, you know, whatever. But we're about to start a war with China. we got a situation in Ukraine that is not resolved at all. We got a mess here. The inflation is out of control. And just, you know, I, I love how they. <laughs> oh, Pastor Fox, you're supposed to preach the God. Let me just get this one off my chest and I'll come back, okay? <laughs> they say, well, the prices of gas came down. I'm like, yeah, but it still has to go down way more. Don't, don't act like you've done something. Because when you took it, it was over here, and now you brought it down a little bit down. I mean, and, that's, and they're, like, very proud. We brought the gas down. I'm like, wait, no, the gas was down. You brought it way up, and now you brought it a little bit down. You know, we are in a nation that, that thinks that's amazing. <laughs> so my point at this point is where there's no vision, the people lose control. And, and you know, this church has not lost its vision, but we, da- we do have to keep flaming it. And that's what's going to happen. You know, like I said, there's some, I'm excited kind of some of the things that I believe we're going to take the church in the fall. See, and again, we're just going to do some things, see how it goes. But there's an excitement, and hopefully there's an excitement on your end. Because, guys, I'm almost done with the message. We are here to make a difference. That, that is the only reason. We're not here to, to, to steal two hours of your Sunday and just take your money. No, that's not what we're here. The reason you give to a church is because you believe in the vision. That's the only reason your hard-earned money would leave your pocket into this organization. That's it. 
And, and you know, I'm, I'm not, and that's why I feel like to, to come up here and hopefully, those of you that have been with me f- so long, maybe there's one that I forgot, that hopefully every project that we've thrown out there, we've met. We didn't create projects to just create funds. There was a vision behind it. There was always a purpose, and it was never about money. Why do we need $15,000? Because we need $15,000 for Cuba? No. We need $15,000 because we believe we can make a difference. And all that $15,000, all that is is a tool. It could, it's the same like if I need a hammer and a saw and nails to build a house, well, I need $15,000 to build a person. I'm losing y'all. You see, when you bring everything into context about how the money, why the money flows, you'll never be hurt to give an offering. You'll never be offended. I mean, perfect world scenario, a church shouldn't even pick up offerings because the church is so on, on the vision that, you know, and there's some, actually there's some churches in America that I know how they operate. They don't even do that because the people are so on vision, they don't even pick up offerings on Sunday. That's, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. But you know what? It's been years and years of visionary training. Where, where everybody's in rhythm. Everybody's like, you know what? This is not Pastor Box's show. You know, th- this is not about, well, what are they going to do with the money? I mean, if you're asking that question, don't give nothing. <laughs> don't give nothing. If you're concerned, what are we going to do with the money? Don't, please don't give nothing. Because what, if you're concerned about that, then, you know, what I would recommend is take that money and make a difference for Jesus. But I guarantee that as a corporate unit, we can make a greater difference than as individuals trying to be little Jesuses all over. Nothing wrong with that, but that's the power of a church. Why can a little church in Hebronville hit nations like Cuba? Is because vision. You guys got behind it. Yes, it was a lot of work, a lot of fundraisers, but, it, but if there's no vision even behind a fundraiser, what's the point of the fundraiser? So remember this, these points. I'm almost done. Where there is no vision, what people will perish. You should have, again, closing point, vision over your finances, vision over your family, vision over, you know, I'm going to say you have to write them down. Not a bad idea, but at least in your head. You should make sure you're looking way over there for what your expectation is. All right. Give me the next one. I think we're almost done. We don't teach our children. We must also birth vision. Remember that. That was a whole different point. I'm going to kind of not spend a lot of time. But more than teaching and telling people, even as a pastor, you say, my job is to teach the Bible. No, my job is to bring a vision to you. And hopefully God called you to that vision. And now we can, together we can make a vision. But on your kids, you want to raise your kids right? Vision, vision, vision. What are you going to be when you grow up? And they might change 40 times, but every time they come up with a new one, you just go ahead and encourage that one. Well, you told me last week you're going to be an astronaut, and now you want to be an engineer. No, don't say, okay, you're an engineer this week? Yeah! You know, and then, you know, next week he's a pilot. Okay! But every one of them, you're an encourager. Vision needs to be encouraged. Okay. Next one, RJ, I think we're done. Where there is no vision, people are discouraged. Skip that one. I already beat that one down. And more than ever, a couple more scriptures and we're almost done. This is so good. Message translation. If you wonder why we're doing this, people, why are we even here this morning? Ezekiel 44, verse 23, message translation reads, their job, everybody say, my job. Look at your neighbor and say, your job. Is to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. That's pretty simple. And it's not about saying, don't drink, don't smoke. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, teach my people about a higher way of living. Teach my people about a higher plane. Y'all with me? Their job is to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. And look at this one. To show them how to discern between the unclean and the clean. 
Guys, as, as, as politically correct as we want to be the church to be, guess what? They're still wrong. There's still things that aren't right. And as much as they're trying to plow into our brain that it's okay and all this, you know, LGBTQ, ABCD, whatever many you want to add to those, they're not okay. We're not hating on anybody. That's just not okay. Because that's not the way the system works. Nature doesn't have it. My question to all these people, why has humanity, from a completely secular perspective, Let's just, let's, just, let's just take 6,000 years of human reasoning because, you know, we could go further back if you wanted to. Why over 6,000 years we didn't have the problem till the last 10? I mean, yeah, there was all that all these years, but it wasn't this. <laughs> we weren't dealing with pronouns and extra letters and what, what do you feel? Well, I feel like I'm a snake today, you know. Why is this all the problem of the last 10 years and not the problem of the last 6,000? There's no writings about this in history, about how they went all weird. Yes, there's always been homosexuality and all, but going taking it to where they've taken it nowadays, that's brand new, guys. Why? Because the human mind, without vision, goes out of control. You need God to balance your morality. <laughs> it's okay, you can't. It's really hard. So one of our jobs is show them it doesn't say how to teach him. That's what the church made the mistake because the, the church teaches. That's wrong. That's right. No. It doesn't tell you. My job is not to teach you what's wrong and what's right. My job is to help you discern. So you can walk out into something and go, huh, yeah, that's probably not God. That's what that teaches. That is our responsibility. We have to still teach there's goodness. We still have to teach morality. We have to teach our kids how this works. We have to make sure your kids understand, you know, the way the system works is one man, one woman, a child. Life goes on. Amen? See, that, we can't just say, oh, well, it is what it is. No, it's not. It's what it is. The problem with what it is today is because the church has been quiet. We let all this thing just keep, kept it going, kept it. Now we're like in this mess. Okay, so once again, vision, mission, making the difference. Our job is to teach people that there's something holy. Amen? Give me the next one. Everyone has the potential to become an encourager. I'm I'm about to land this. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have it all together. All you have to do is care about people and initiate. That was written by John Maxwell. Every one of you... Is qualified. Every one of you can change somebody's life this week. Now, glory to God, if you bring them to Jesus and, and you were able to present the gospel, but before you preach the gospel, preach it with actions. Before you open your mouth, show them Jesus. Show them that you care. Show them that you truly, you know, are concerned about what's going on in their life. I love that, that quote by Maxwell. And the last one, I think it's the last one. I'm not looking at my notes. I'm just going, what do I put? Give me the next one, RJ. What is in your, oh, you know what? Skip that one. I really want to do that one. Skip that one. <laughs> right there. Ooh, I would, we'd say it here to 2 o'clock if I stopped that other slide. We'll, we'll get to that, but it's so good. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We all carry the light of Jesus. And that light is always good. It's never religion. It's never legalism. It's never, I want to put the yoke of my religion on you now. Uh-uh, it's never not that. It's just you shine your light. Well, where do I shine my light, Pastor? Duh, where it's dark. 
<laughs> you don't need your light where there's light. You need your light where it's dark. Last one. I keep saying last one. They keep popping up. No. <laughs> no, this is the last one. Everyone's light is unique. You don't imitate anybody. You don't have to be like anybody else in this church or anybody else. God gave you a gift. God gave you a light. And everyone here can make a difference. Every light is needed. Everyone. You, you, there's, just in this building, there's people here that, that can talk to people that I will never, ever, ever, ever in my life be able to talk or even meet. Or people that hate, I'm never going to go to your church. That's fine. The, the mission is not to get them to church. Let's forget about that. That'd be awesome if they're all here. It would bless me, but that's not the mission. Go ye and preach the gospel so everyone can come to your church. <laughs> that's not the, that's what some, that's what a lot of churches believe is the gospel. But no, the gospel is go ye to every creature and shine your light. There can be dark areas in your life. And let, well, let me put this because this is, this is where we close. There's dark, there's dark areas in my life. And I'm not talking sin, just you go through storms, you go through stuff. But guess what? All those stuff cannot keep that light from going down. Your, your circumstances will scream at you to say, turn the light off, turn the light off. You've got too much trouble in your life. Turn the light off. You need to deal with your own life. And God's saying, no, the way you deal with your life, you want your life fixed, you go shine your light on somebody else's life. That's how this works. That's how the system is wired. It's called seed time and harvest. Amen? Would you get out of something out of all that this morning? Go ahead and Well, no, don't stand. You give the Lord praise. Uh, let's have communion. Um, I know it's a little past the clock. That um, let, let's today in our communion service, I don't know how this message, how you related to it, but if you did relate to it in that context, seal it with communion. Say, God, I am here. I am ready. I will be obedient. And then just be sensitive to it. Who knows, you know? Someday you'll be in Cuba. <laughs> I was thinking um, when Miriam and Araceli were up here, está pensando en... en Tantos años cuando llegaron allá a la casita a Mirando. ¿Se acuerda, Miriam, cuando llegó? Who would have ever thought, right? She didn't think it. I didn't think it. There was no context. And if somebody would have told us, guess what? Y'all going to go to Cuba. We would have probably said, whatever. In a little house in Mirando with not much going on. And here they are, all these years later, changing nations. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Glory to God. So I'm telling you, church, don't you ever, ever, ever discredit yourself because of something you did in your past. Your past could have been yesterday, by the way. <laughs> Don't discredit yourself at what you did in your past. You just make yourself available. Make yourself available and then hang on because God's going to put you on a wonderful, wonderful adventure. Glory to God. Let's do this. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for where the word has gone. And Lord, I don't have enough words, Lord, to express my gratitude to see this church, Father, to see the energy, to see the Cuba team. Lord, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for, for being faithful to us. And, Lord, I pray that this message has come from the heart that you gave it to me last night and even this morning. That, Father, we all think about this this morning. That we all go out of these doors knowing that we are going straight into a missions field. It doesn't have to be across the world. Sometimes it's just right across the street. And I believe with all my heart that the, that the best season of this year is about to kick off in this church. That we're going to look at this time and look how we end this year in December and say, look what the Lord has done. But, Father, today we take communion and we seal 
everything about this month and the furtherance. But, Father, more than anything, Father, we take communion in recognition that we are blood-bought, that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to you, Jesus. You're the one that brought life. You're the one that brought light. And, Father, now we take this light, and we want to share it to whoever we come encounter with. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11.24. Don't go there. just where the reading is. Paul's speaking about communion. And again, I don't, I don't want to teach on communion right now, but remember, communion is not a religious exercise. It's a reminder of what God did for you. If there's something else in your life that you're dealing with this morning, there's no magic in this. It's not a magic potion. It is a reminder. Do this in remembrance of me. Maybe you're dealing with sickness and disease. Maybe you're dealing with a storm in your life. Bring it right now. Deal with it right now. And say, Lord, I thank you that I am blood-bought. And my covenant took care of that situation, whatever that situation may be. Do it right now. Pray, do your own little prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know my prayers, Lord, and we seal them today in Jesus' name. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread, where he broke it, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for covenant protection and all the good things that are coming this month in our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We'll wait the ushers to minister back to you. And So I take off for uh, Arizona on Thursday. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean... You don't come to church because that's just how it goes, right? Because you're not here to see Pastor Box. And if that's, you know, one of the things that bothers me because I hear a lot of people say, well, I, I like how he preaches, but I don't like how, really? You're here to hear God. You could, I mean, you could come and a worship song could minister to you. Everything you needed in that whole week could come right out of Kathy's mouth or a worship song, you know? So make sure you come to church and pray for us. Keep us in your prayers. Um, we're excited. Like last year was really different, um, Healing of the Nations. And it's not just something I'm invited to. I've been part of Healing of the Nations for many, many years. Um, I'm thinking 1999 was the first one I went to, so it's been a while. But keep us in your prayers. Again, it's not too late. If some of y'all want to hop on something and get yourselves to Arizona, there's, it's, it starts next Sunday. I'll post uh, the flyers are out there. But, uh, but more than anything, we do cherish your prayers and for the Navajo Nation and the amazing people over there. Well, you guys know what to do. For your offerings, I'm not going to take any more time. You guys are mature. <laughs> so thank you for your support. Thank you for all you do. If, uh, the information for giving will be on the screen, and there's an envelope next to you. And if you're ready for all that, go ahead and stand, and I will get you out of here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. His presence is here, guys. Just just so, so, so. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just the sweet presence of Jesus. Father, we want to leave this building with this presence. We're taking this home. We're not going to leave it here. Lord, I just thank you that every family that's listening to this prayer, every family that's sowing into this offering, every family that...